go with me um, to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. I've been thinking about the city of Jerusalem as you would think about the um, Passover. You've got people everywhere, people traveling to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate a feast. And uh, as they celebrate or as they go to get there, I mean, you and I are well aware that it's considered Palm Sunday. And, um, but what I think what happened was they really weren't in uh, the thought process, what is this really going to be for? What is it mean? What is the value? What's taking place? And I think really they got caught in, in the lie that a lot of us get caught in. Life is all about you. And so I'm sure this didn't take place on Palm Sunday. I'm sure they didn't have cameras. Uh, taking their own selfies, but in reality, what took place, they had no idea what was coming. They did not see what was coming. Even though it was in front of them, truth, Old Testament truth was in front of them, the busyness of life was in front of them, and the things of this world really consumed them as it comes to this Palm Sunday. They didn't see what you and I see and celebrate today did not take place in Jerusalem on this weekend. Obviously, it wasn't exactly this weekend. They did not see that there was a Savior that was coming to serve. They didn't see the word picture that took place in front of them. They didn't see the demonstration that was right in front of their eyes. They were too busy. They were captivated by the things of this world. And so as the servant walked into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, close to the Passover... When people should have been looking, oh, this is Passover. Oh, we've heard about Old Testament. Maybe the Messiah is going to come this year. No, they didn't see that. Their lives did not see the substitute and the King of Glory. As you look at Psalm chapter nine, I mean uh, Luke chapter nineteen, most of you have got a title in your Bible, the Triumphal Entry, and most of us haven't thought and went all the way through chapter nineteen. To see where some of the context of where Jesus says some of the things that we know about. And at times we use to say, well, it's okay to be angry because Jesus got angry. But we don't see the context of where Jesus got angry and why he got angry. We forgot there's an opportunity where this Savior, this Messiah is going to ride into Jerusalem. And what you and I call the triumphal entry. And we get excited. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. We get excited about people saying, oh yeah, Hosanna, blessed is he, oh yeah, here he is, oh we'll put our coat down, we really love him so much, we'll put a coat down and we'll wave a palm branch. And they missed what really was coming. They missed the Passover lamb right in front of them. They missed the demonstration of life in front of them and the possibility of their life to be radically changed because somebody came riding in on a donkey. They missed that. They missed that was hope was right in front of them. In the midst of all that was going on in their society, the individual that rode in the donkey provided hope. They missed that. And they even missed maybe the biggest thing, the forgiveness of sin. The Passover was an opportunity to be reminded of what took place for the nation of Israel. When they would sacrifice a lamb to save a life. Forgiveness. Replacement, substitution, and mysteries. Now, I'm sure there was a few that grasped what was taking place. But overall, the majority missed the substitute. Luke chapter 19 and verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going to Jerusalem. 
as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you and enter it. You will find a colt there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just tell them the Lord needs it. Those who went ahead went and found it. And as he was told, as they were untying the colt, its owner asked, why are you untying it? They replied, the Lord needs it. I don't know if you thought much or think much. I was just... I love to brainstorm when it comes to scripture. I love to have an imagination. So I want you to think about something. You've got the creator of all the world riding on a donkey. The king of kings and the lord of lords is going to ride into Jerusalem. Not on what was due his name. Not on what should have taken place. Because he was the king. He should have found the best horse available. And say look I'm going to ride in as a true king. As a mighty conqueror. This is who I am. Because I'm going to provide something for these people that nobody else will ever provide. Forgiveness. I'm going to provide something for them that nobody can provide. Hope. So I'm just going to ride in on the best of best and I want the whole world to see. Here I come because I am the creator of all. I am the king of kings and the lord of lords. He didn't do that. He made a decision to humble himself and say, you know what? I'm going to ride in on a donkey. And most of the time, people that were riding donkey, donkeys were people that were servants or merchants, not the kings. So Messiah arrives as a choice as the king to demonstrate something to the people that should have grasped it. They knew Zechariah. They knew the concepts. They knew truth. They knew information. But their information never got to their heart. They didn't open up their heart and say, wait a minute, I want to see this. I don't just want to know information. I want to see this. I want to be aware. Hey, when the Messiah comes, he's going to ride on a donkey. He's going to be different than anyone else we've ever seen. When our Passover lamb shows up, he's going to be riding on a donkey. When our one, the person who gives life shows up, he's going to be riding on a donkey. The one that provides hope is going to ride on a donkey. Now, I realize that none of us are Jesus here, and none of us have this capability, but I want you to think about the willingness that he had to say, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. Most of us, we get aggravated if we don't get a close parking spot, let alone alone ride on a donkey. Most of us will get a little bit frustrated on Sundays if somebody's sitting in your seat. Most of us will get frustrated when we pull up to, to this fast food place and you've got to wait more than 10 minutes because all, after all, don't they know that your life is really important and you have a lot of things to accomplish and you're going to make me wait. And yet the king of all glory rode into Jerusalem, how? On a donkey. Willingness to say, you know what? I want to demonstrate to individuals what servanthood looks like. So I'm going to ride a donkey. And what's interesting is, as you read through this passage of Scripture, I know that you've read verse 38. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. I know you're aware of that. But I want you to look at verse 41 with me. I want you to think of the substitute from this perspective. 
Pick it up in verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept and said, If you, even if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build and embrace and embank against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone or another uh, unturned because you did not recognize the, the, the time God comes to you. You didn't recognize. You're too busy. You're too distracted. Things of this earth was too important for them. That when biblical history was being fulfilled right in front of their eyes, what they knew was true in Zechariah in chapter 9, they missed it. As I thought about that, what would it look like if Jesus rode up today on a donkey to Bible Fellowship? Would we recognize him? Would we embrace him? Would we thank him? Would we stop at all that you have going on? And I know you got stuff, you're busy. But would you stop and look at the one in the eye that gave you life and say thank you? Would you stop and look at the one that provides hope for you today? Would you say thank you? Because what we see of this city at this time in Jerusalem, verses 41 to 44, lost people. So think about, I just thought about Jesus. Why is Jesus weeping? Because there's lost people in Jerusalem. Because they bought into legalism. Because their hearts are empty. Their lives are empty. Their families are empty. Why is their family, why is he weeping over Jerusalem? Because it's lost. They don't have life. They don't have hope. They've chosen to make the things that were around them to be, oh, we'll make them God. When what they knew was true, oh yeah, they formed it in word. Oh, blessed are you who's come. Yeah, we know that's a form, but in reality, what do they do to them later? They crucify them. And what's fascinating to me is I thought my way through this passage. Keep on reading in, in verse 45. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said, my house will be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. So you put the whole thing in context. And I understand what we're, we, where we are. I understand this Palm Sunday. But think about it. This king that's riding into a donkey now gets to his house. Around the Passover time, there's people everywhere. Why are they coming? To celebrate him. Celebrate life. Celebrate forgiveness of sins. You know what they did? They took the easy way out. Oh, I'll just show up in Jerusalem. I'll buy, I'll buy the lamb there. It'll be easier. I mean, I don't know anything about sheep uh, other than what people tell me. They're dumb. Uh, they're hard to take care of. So I don't know what it would be like. I'm sure they didn't have any U-Hauls back in the day. So you just you know, put, the, put the sheep in the U-Haul, strap it to the donkey, and let's get it to Jerusalem. Because we're going to go celebrate the Passover. No, that's too much work. That's too much time. That's too much energy. So no, let's just, 
when we get to Jerusalem, let's walk into the temple where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to show up after he rode in on a donkey. He said, hey, that's my house. And that house is a house of prayer. That's a house where people's lives are radically changed. That's my house. And you're just making a house where you sell stuff. You're making a house of convenience. You're making a house about you, and it's not about you. Because there's nothing in this world that can change your life from the inside out except three nails and a cross. Nobody. Nobody. And so as you've gathered around this Palm Sunday, I want you to think about the substitute. I want you to think about what he was thinking as he's riding down on a donkey thinking, you know what? I have hope, but they don't want it. I have forgiveness, but they don't want it. I have life, but they're too busy. What about you? The donkey rode into, the, the, the Messiah rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The substitute has arrived. But is he, is he yours? The other thing, as I, as I look at this, I see that, that Jesus came to be an example of self-sacrifice. I was watching something last night with some young couples on Francis Chan video on marriage. And he shared this, and I hadn't really thought about this before, but he said, Jesus was on the fast track to serve him. He emptied himself. He just said, hey, I, I, I want to ride on a donkey. I want to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to let them rip out my beard. I'm going to make a willful decision to be a servant. And I realize there's not one of us sitting in this room that that comes naturally to. Not one of us say, hey, you know what? Go ahead and be in line. I don't care. But if you want to, I really don't mind. You can have that spot. Well, if you're not going to meet my needs, I'm not going to meet your needs. Fooey on you. And I never thought about it. Think about Ephesians chapter 5. We went to a marriage weekend away and they talked a little bit about Ephesians 5. But think about the, the world that we live in. Ephesians chapter 5. You know what? Every time our goal in marriage is, we just want to be happy. You just make me happy. That's not the goal of marriage. That's not the purpose of marriage. The purpose is God put you together with another person to be a light into a lost and dying community, not being happy. God has given you a mate that he wants to use to radically transform, uh, transform your life. And normally that transformation comes through friction. And not, obviously I don't high-five students and say, I really appreciate it when you disagree with me. I really appreciate it when you point out sin in my life. I really like you a lot. No, I don't. But that's part of the concept. And we believe, and then, so you take it out of the marriage concept, let's put it in Christianity concept. Hey, you accepted Jesus as your Savior, right? So you're going to be happy. Life is going to be fair and fun. It's just going to be all about you. No, it's not all about you. He died and he rode into a city on a donkey as a substitute for your death. So then he could transform your life. So the world could see something different. You know what the world longs for? Servants. We got enough, we've got enough chiefs. We need some more Indians. We got enough people saying, hey, look at me. We need more people saying, I don't care what you think about me. I'm here to serve. It doesn't matter how much money I make. I just want to be on your team. 
doesn't matter how big of a church I go to. I'm part of a family. And we serve each other because we're a family. What would Jesus say to us today about our serving? What would Jesus say to us on how we're doing with self-sacrifice? If you have some time this afternoon, take your Bible and go to Psalm chapter 23. And most of us have never heard Psalm 23 outside of a funeral. But just open it up and what does it say? The Lord is my what? I. Is he your shepherd? Most of, your, most of us at times looking at things, our wants and our lives to be met by the needs of this world. And they will never be met by this world. Never. Only the shepherd will meet your needs. Emotionally physically, spiritually. He's the only one that can do it. The other thing that I want you to see this morning is the King of Glory. I want you to go back to Psalm 24. back to Psalm 24. David's written this psalm. There's some debate on when actually he wrote this. Some think when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back is when he wrote it. What's important is these words. Verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. See the one who was riding on the donkey? The earth is his. And not just the earth, everything in it. See, the one that chose to be the substitute knew every bird that was flying around Jerusalem. Knew every individual was going to come to sacrifice and really wasn't asking for forgiveness of sins. They were just falling through what the things they were supposed to do. They were buying into the lie of legalism. You know what, I'm just going to do that. I don't, my heart's not really in it. I don't really care about it. But he knew the lamb or the dove that was going to be sacrificed that day. That way. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So as you look at Psalm 24, keep on reading, verse 3. Who may ascend the hills of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. I was looking at a way you could kind of describe Psalm 24. And I was looking at um, MacArthur's thoughts on, on Psalm 24. So I think we need to, as we go through the routine of Palm Sunday, as we go through the celebration of Easter, I think we need to do something. 
I think we really need to contemplate what's taking place. What is in front of us? We need to spend some time, thoughtful time, for a long period of time of contemplation of actually what took place over this this time frame that we celebrate. And the details, not just flying by, so oh yeah, yeah, there's the there's the palm branch part, yeah, we accomplished that this weekend. Oh yeah, there's the one to throw it. Oh yeah, they they sang to him. But going one step deeper and thinking about he rode the donkey for you. And allowing that to think to, to, to get through your thick skull of where life is all about you and stopping and saying, wait a minute, no, thank you. Thank you for being willing to say, I'll serve Thank you for being willing to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of everything, and to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. How many people must have laughed at? Oh, he's done all these miracles. He's changed water to wine. All these amazing things that have taken place, and he's riding on a donkey? That's all he's got is a donkey. All he had was a donkey so that you would see what servanthood would look like. Spend some time in consecration. You read in Psalm 24, clean hands and pure heart. Ryrie puts it this way. Right deeds, right motives. Are my actions right? And and if we're honest, take the preacher hat off, take every individual hat off, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. Just be honest. So now we have to stop and say, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to act like we were in, when we were five in our, you know, when I would say to, to Seth after he did something wrong with Rachel, you need to say that you're sorry. I'm sorry, Rachel. He didn't mean it, Dad. He didn't mean it. Are you still acting like that? Or have you grown up spiritually and said, you know what, Father, I'm sorry that I went for something of this world to find my value. And I need to come and confess it before you. Maybe we need Maybe we need to stop and do some commemoration and say, you know what? If he didn't ride on a donkey, I would be lost forever. I would have no hope. I wouldn't have forgiveness. I wouldn't have life. So this morning in front of you, it's two things. The substitute. Who was the substitute? King of glory. And why was he the substitute? Because he made a choice to be the substitute. He wanted you to know that you were important. So he stepped in. He wanted you to know what it would look like to be a servant. So he demonstrated that in front of you. You will make a choice today as you look at the Bible in front of you. You, you will either say, I recognize that the King of Glory took no glory so I could have forgiveness today. How can I put myself aside this week for someone else to receive a demonstration of my servanthood towards them because of what my Savior did for me? I'll carry my cross whatever the cross might be. 
to follow Christ, my King. Is he your King? Well, you know, preacher, I'm in church. Well, you know, I know that he, you know, John 3, 6, I know he died on the cross. Okay, great. Let's, one more step. He's not your king unless you follow. You can say whatever you want to say. And your kids can tell you whatever you want they, for them to tell you. But if they don't obey you, they get consequences. He is not your king. Unless you have a desire. Not to be perfect. Not to be sinless. Unless you have a desire to follow. And what is true right now? He's here. He knows where we failed this week. And he knows your heart. And he knows mine. Some days that's incredible. Most days it's quite frustrating, to be honest. Quite disappointing how dumb things can come through my mind. Thoughts can come out. Words can come out. Like, really? I want you to pray with me. Father, we've gathered around a book that we call the Word of God. Most people call it a Bible. We're even willing to admit at times that we think it's an instruction book, but we're not very good followers. Oh, we like for when you love us and care for us and give us the things that we want and make us feel good, but Holy Spirit, we're a mess. And our family needs your help. Our family needs a desire and a passion to follow. To accept authority. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart. But truth is in front of you. Will you accept the substitute? He died for you. Is he your savior? Then will you serve him? Will you allow him to change you from the inside out? Will you ask for forgiveness? Will you ask for strength? Will you ask for wisdom? Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be alive today. Thank you for allowing us to gather as a family. But I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move. You would speak so loud that we would leave willing to allow our lives to be changed by the Holy Spirit who's living inside of me because the Holy because Jesus came and died on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for allowing me to come to you. Thank you for being my Savior. I'm not sure what's going on in your heart. I pray that you will run to Jesus, not away from him. You fall on your face before him and worship him. Father, thank you for allowing us to meet as a family today. In your name I pray. Amen.